Clou, Kai Clou, Hedran Clou. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Everybody and welcome back to what's this Dow about? Dow all about what I'm going to call it, referred to as the world's number one podcast on Taoism. That's right. That's yeah. right. Unless there's a guy in China who's getting like fifty thousand subscribers, I'm <laughs> sure there is. We don't know about. He can come on the show if he likes. Uh, let's see here. So what what happens is you know, it's no secret that when we record these shows, we usually record three in a sitting, and what happens is. We prepare for three shows. What happens is we never get to what was prepared for show three because we never got to everything in shows one and two, <laughs> which is good. It's better. You know, we never run out of anything to discuss here. Not that That's that would for sure. <laughs> be a problem. But uh, let's see here. I'd like to get uh, actually there's a very important listener mail we had here from a, a gal named Leslie. Hmm. We're going to get to that. And then we have some chapters from the Tao Te Ching and a little more listener mail. So let's just see what we can get to. Uh, and this, this was a, a very good uh, email sent to us by a gal in, uh, I think it was in Brooklyn. Um, let's see here. What do we got? Let me make sure I'm reading everything correctly. Okay. Hello. Uh, yes, her name is Leslie. Hello. I just started learning about Taoism earlier this year. And trying to read everything I can on it, I found your podcast, which is fantastic. I always got to leave that part where they compliment us. <laughs> we like that. Uh, it has been very helpful in learning ob- ob- objectively more about Taoism and how subjectively how I can better live by the Taoist philosophy. I have two related questions. The recent listener mail question about the world being depressing really resonated with me. I, tr- I try really hard to look for positivity and have, some, have a positive attitude so like minds will find me as well. Unfortunately, living in New York City, sometimes this backfires. Mm. Since I'm a woman and commute by foot or public transportation, I'm regularly catcalled, harassed, and made to feel uncomfortable and belittled. Sometimes this really affects me. I will feel upset, not want to go out, and it'll really bring down my mood. So I asked, what is a recommended Taoist reaction for both me internally, and if there's anything effective to to say externally to the person bothering me? My related question is about women in da- women in Taoism. I read two English books on Taoism, both written by men. The old texts I've read, the old texts I've read translations of, were originally written by men. Any information I can find on the internet, including your podcast, is all by men. I'm not complaining, but I'm wondering if you can recommend any women voices in Taoism, either in the past or modern times. Thank you so much for the podcast. I'm going through them all and have definitely repeated episodes. Thank you, Leslie. So, 
I guess we can start out with how Leslie... Great question. I, I just, I'll tell you how I answered uh, Leslie. Of course, first of all, I said thank you so much for your questions. And, and first of all, regarding your treatment by men while in public, let's face it. A lot of guys are just pigs. <laughs> I mean, let's yeah. face it. Sadly, I mean, they have no yeah. respect, no basic human decency. And I don't blame you, her, you for feeling annoyed. Uh, I, and I said, you know, definitely I recommend that she take like a self-defense for women class or enroll in a martial art because, one, it makes you feel just more self-empowered and you can kind of stand your ground. Yeah. And, and also you actually do learn some kind of verbal responses to... Um, uh, that type of uh, aggressive behavior. Harassment. So it's kind of like they they will teach you within these classes how to uh, verbally react to how this. How to verbally react, how to physically react, you know, where to stand, how to walk, how to how to carry yourself where, you, where she can feel more self-confident, able to stand her ground, and to not feel that she's being victimized uh, right. so much. And then also, I, I think po- possibly also being that People who are perpetrators of that kind of violent harassment um, will probably... Lots of that, I feel, is on some animal level. These people who are perpetrators, um, if they sense that someone is maybe someone who's taking a martial art or somebody who's mm-hmm. projecting mm-hmm. kind of a, a real position of strength yes. or whatever, yes. they're going to, they're going to harass the next person instead of, right. instead of you. And that's exactly what I told her. I said, not only will this give you more confidence, it will teach you some proactive skills to actually avoid some of those encounters yeah. and, and deal with those that you can't avoid. <laughs> right. Now the sad, the sad thing is that we live in a world where men don't have the boundaries or any sense of respect and can make women feel violated. That's a, that's yes. a terrible thing. I wish the answer to this would be, oh, so sorry that that is rare. But it, it's, it's not. No, no. Women... no. It's not rare. I'm actually shocked when I you know, walk down the street sometimes. And it's actually embarrassing to me to hear what some guys will say to women. Who yeah. they, obviously, they don't know, and they're driving by, and they're honking their horns, and they're yelling out the window. I mean, that's just rude. That's yeah. <laughs> just rude. And, 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 uh, rude and wrong. <laughs> so, guys out there, I'm sure no one listening to our podcast would do anything like that. But, <laughs> but uh, guys that you do see out there, tell them that's not cool. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> it's, it's terrible that we live in a modern world where women <laughs> feel threatened like that. And, yeah. and, and e- even worse... We live in a world where many men hearing about this get get mad and blame the woman for it. Huh. You know, or they, they blame the victim of this kind of harassment. Yeah. And it's it's really terrible. But the, the the good thing is at least there are some proactive steps you can take to to mollify. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I guess the old saying goes, you can't change other people, especially when you're dealing with strangers. Uh, but you can change how you react, hopefully. Right. Um, In fact, it reminds me, years ago, I was teaching a class on self-defense for women, yeah. as a matter of fact, at work. I was working at a um, mental health clinic that had primarily female clinicians. And they were working with, you know, were working with people off the street who had drug problems and mental health issues. And these were, you know, basically uh, interns and you know, uh, just, you know, not fully trained and they, they felt unsafe and so on. You know, not only there, but in other areas of their life. And so I taught them a, a class in self-defense for women. And we spent a lot of time not only on the physical things, but on what to say, 
how to stand, how to look at people, you know, when they're right. bothering you. And as it turns out, the very next day, one of the women in my class got harassed. And she looked this guy right in the eye, put her hands on her hips and said, get your hands off of me. I mean, and the guy literally, she was in a library, public library, and the guy literally turned tail and ran out of the room. Right. <laughs> wow. wow. And she said before that, she would have just kind of frozen and not have known what to say or do. Yeah. So, yes, so definitely do that, Leslie. And then as, as far as uh, the rest of her question, sources on Taoism written by women, I said, hey, you're in luck. <laughs> the world's premier, the leading scholar on Taoism in English is a woman. Her name is Dr. Livia, L-I-V-I-A, Cohn, K-O-H-N. She was a professor of Eastern religion at Boston University for, I don't know, 25 or 30 years, and she's now living in Florida. She has written or edited more than 35 books on Taoism, well over 100 articles in peer-reviewed journals on Taoism, including the the role of women within Taoism. Uh, She also teaches Qigong and Tai Chi. She's she's the editor of the the journal, the Journal of Taoist Studies. Uh, She's just brilliant. And uh, and absolutely delightful. I've yeah. met her. I've been on a panel with her. You know, we've t- kind of taught together, and uh, she's she's incredible. Um, uh, she, she has a website www.liviacohn.com. dot com. Oh, yeah, where you can go see all of her stuff. And uh, now, besides her, there's also uh, in fact I have a book right here. It's called The Feminine Light. The Tao Te Ching for Inspiring Women. Oh. Yeah. Written by Stephanie Yarborough, okay, who's a friend of one of my uh, instructors here in school. Oh, okay. And my classes here. And uh, so that's a great book. And it's on the Tao Te Ching. It's her kind of feminist take on the Tao. Right. The Tao Te Ching. So that's a great book. Also, um, um, other useful books on Taoist practice written by uh, a woman are the I Ching Workbook okay. and the Tao of Power, which is a translation of the Tao Te Ching, both written by R.L. Wing, uh, who's a woman. Uh, Wang or Wing? Wing, W-I-N-G. Okay. Wing. Uh-huh. And, in, uh, and also, of course, the, chap- the book that we've been reading from, you know, the Tao Te Ching, uh, the new translation by Gia... Fu Feng Feng and Jane English, yeah. uh, which is kind of my one of my favorite editions uh, of the Tao Te Ching, and also the uh, the Chongsa that I read here, I believe, mm-hmm. is, is also translated, translated by that team by, by by the same team. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and and in general, Taoism tends to be a more Yin or feminine feminine type path. Anyway, yeah, you know, maybe uh, Lao Tzu was the first uh, male feminist, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because this yielding, ad- ad- adapting, softer, more nurturing approach is very Taoist. Oh yeah, definitely, and, and, and is more associated with the feminine than the masculine. Yeah, the, the Yang idea is, is to beat it over the head. Yeah, <laughs> as we've been talking lots of times, saying about how conf- you you ninety percent of the time you have the option not to confront. But to uh, harmonize yes. with and, you know. Yes. So I told her, you know, best wishes and thanks for listening to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Leslie. Um, yeah. 
I'm so, when she wrote that, I sorry to get to get back on the negativity, but I, you know, to just women having to deal with that kind of as a man, I, I we don't we just don't know right. what they have to deal with right and um, every day, every day, <laughs> every day. I could I couldn't imagine. Uh, so moving on here, what do we got? Uh, we have another listener mail. Let's get to that. We have so much. Which one? <laughs> uh, so we're going to go to the one we had slated for show two by uh, Sean. Oh, Sean. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, this paperwork. So many trees died in the creation. No animals were harmed, but there was a... Uh, okay. Great show. Thanks to you and Dr. Carl for these podcasts. I've listened to all or close to all the shows, and I've heard Dr. Carl say a few times something like, every possibility has already happened. Mm. I believe he's referring to the law of attraction in some way. I get that there are infinite possibilities that could happen, but I'm having trouble with the idea that everything possibly already has happened. Could you please ask Dr. Carl to elaborate on this, please? My Western mind keeps time linear and I have a hard time imagining that the future possibilities have already happened. Thanks, Sean. So this, I, you know, when you've said this before on the show, and I think I theoretically can somewhat grasp some of that idea. Like, uh, this is a tough one. (laughs) You know, like people always saying, you know, it's all been done before or, you know, the idea that the same kind of, Currents and ideas and challenges that we face as people have been seen by others. Um, but please, elaborate. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, this is a tough one, particularly to try to discuss intellectually. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging to do that. Uh, but well, we're counting on you, Dr. Where Carl. we're stuck, right? That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, uh, thank you for your interesting question. It's a difficult topic for those of us in the West, because again, like you said, we have a linear definition of time. First this, then this, then that, all right? So it's difficult to wrap our heads around a conceptualization of time that is not linear. However, both Eastern philosophers and even some modern Western scientists, especially those from quantum mechanics, quantum physics, seem to suggest that time is actually interconnected and circular rather than linear with a prescribed point for past, present, and future. I I often like to use the image of the infinity sign to illustrate this. You know, it looks like a figure eight on its side, you know? Mm -hmm. So think about where the double loops intersect. That's the point where we identify as the present. But it's on a continuum from the beginning part of the eight, or the past, which has helped create the present. And even in our present memories, we can still perceive the past in this present moment, or even more in our subconscious and unconscious. The same applies to the future, as both the past and the present have created it. The fact that there are persons who can actually see the future may not be just a matter of foresight and they're psychic as much as the possibility that this so-called future may actually be coexisting with the present already. Mm. That's why shamans often envision the future as having already occurred. And then they simply, you know, the ideal future that they'd like for their lives. And then they download it into the present 
and it happens. Oh. Because it's already happened somewhere. And that's kind of the connection to the law of attraction because in order to bring something in the future into the present moment, you need to create it by imagining that it's already happened. And you need to do that completely, mentally, emotionally, and even physically. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that this thing that I'm trying to kind of create has already happened. You know why? Because like attracts, that's, now here's the attraction part. Like attracts like. Okay. If you don't have a con concept, an image, and a feeling of something that you'd like to create in this world, it'll never happen. Right, you have to visualize. And, and you can't create from lack. Mm -hmm. You can't say, oh, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I want it. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. See, that's coming from a position of, of, of weakness, right? But if you feel, oh, no, I've got this. This has already happened. This is a done deal. Right. You know, you, that will come into being. And, and now, since everything that we can imagine, perhaps in some dimensional reality or some alternative or parallel universe, may have already happened, and that's what a lot of these scientists are telling us, that everything we can imagine actually has happened or is happening somewhere. Right. In the and, multiverse. In the multiverse. And what we're doing is just downloading it mm. into the present. And I think that that resonates a lot with Taoism, which doesn't have these fixed positions so much, past, present, future, but this, that, the other. You know, it, it, it's more of a, of, of a uh, con like cons interconnected concentric circles. Yes, like the idea, the idea of yin and yang. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most basic one, right there on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but that is a simplified version of kind of what that image really looks like. Yeah. It, it's really multi because that's just two dimensional. Yeah. It's really multi dimensional, and 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 so there's something behind that and something in front of it and something it has width and depth and you know all we see is just it's it's just a flat image, yeah. which is not how it actually exists. Um, as an image in the universe. It's actually much more complex than that. Someone should, I don't know if anyone has, but someone should design that. I think people have. I think people have. Uh, in fact, kind of like this, what you see on the wall here, this flower of life. Yeah. That's actually kind of a takeoff of that. Okay. Really. And that's kind of the pattern for how life is created in the universe, really. Mm. Now, like, so th th that's kind of my long answer to uh, Sean's interesting question. And that's kind of a more intellectual answer. But, you know, in deep states of meditation, the present moment or now is, of course, where we exist. But that we have access to the so-called past and the future much more readily. You know, like you said, when you kind of peel back those layers... Mm -hmm those things start to present themselves as often as imagery. It's yeah. almost like watching a movie. You'll just see these images float by, and then later you'll find out, oh, I just saw something before it happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. You know, and that could be a week before it happened. It could be a year before it happened. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what so-called well, people we call psychics do. Yeah. You know, you know, whether it's Nostradamus or whoever, <laughs> you know, famous one, of course, was him. Yeah. You know, I think that they can kind of tap into this stream and just kind of play those mo movies. And then they write them down and people say, oh, wow, what a great prognosticator right. that person was. <laughs> well, know. it's the old uh, Aldous Huxley line. <laughs> when you break down the doors of perception, mm -hmm. all is infinite. Yes. 
and all that is infinite. And that that infinite apply implies the future already happening. Yes. And, you know. Now, of course, the only place we can actually live and exist is right here in the present moment. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Right here. The past intersects with this. The future is intersecting with this. But there's only one place we can live, and that's right here, right now. That's right. And that's what, of course, you know, Taoism is about. Zen is about. It's about being fully present in the moment, but having access to the totality of all that exists. Because otherwise, we tend to look at things as either this or that, mm. right or wrong, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Me or you. You know, my way or the highway. <laughs> my religion's right, your religion's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's a, a very narrow way of um, uh, apperceiving reality. Yes. <laughs> and leads to many, many problems yes. on many deep levels. <laughs> very good. All right, let's move on. Uh, so, Dr. Totten, you chose some uh, chapters from the Tao Te Ching yes. for us to discuss. So let's look at uh, chapter 22. Yes. So chapter 22, again, another fundamental chapter of the Tao Te Ching, because it has so many of these concepts we've been discussing in it. Mm -hmm. Right from the get-go. Yield and overcome. Sounds familiar? Yes. <laughs> Bend and be straight. Empty and be full. Wear out and be new. Have little and gain. Have much and be confused. Therefore, the wise embrace the one and set an example to all. Not putting on a display, they shine forth. Not justifying themselves, they are distinguished. Not boasting, they receive recognition. Not bragging, they never falter. They do not quarrel, so no one quarrels with them. Therefore, the ancients say, yield and overcome. Is that an empty saying? Be really whole, and all things will come to you. I mean, this chapter, it encompasses, I mean, it, it contains the entire Taoist perception, oh, yeah. perception, doesn't it? And it's funny, <laughs> that last line, be really whole, and all things will come to you. Yes. And you're talking about creating, kind of creating from a position of abundance. Of wholeness and abundance, yes. Versus a lack. Yes. Um, and, Yeah. So Lao Tzu notes that by yielding and bending, in other words, by being flexible, we can adapt to life's challenges and prevail. By letting go, we instill the possibility of actually containing other things, kind of like that cup. If it's too full, there's no room for anything else to enter. Right. You know, and our brain too. If if it's all filled with our own opinions and and biases, there's no room for anyone else or anything else in there. No. So by creating space for more, we remain receptive. By clinging to possessions, they tend to wear out and wear us out. <laughs> you know, the Buddha talking about how all things are impermanent, all those things we create make. Yeah. And furthermore, by not putting on displays of ego, not justifying, boasting, bragging, or quarreling, one avoids unnecessary conflict that stems from ego attachment. So instead, by allowing things to just fall into, a pl into place according to their own nature, all things come to us. This forms a way to enter life each day, living by principle and intention by letting go. Yeah. <laughs> by letting go and remaining flexible and open and responsive. Yeah. Because hard and rigid is the way of death. It's the way of death. Yeah. 
It's brittle. It'll break. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. There is a part in here. So uh, I was reading up on this chapter a bit to gain some understanding. I was looking in this book uh, by Derek Lynn, mm-hmm. and if uh, previously where it says. Um, uh, not justifying themselves, they are distinguished, um, and they do not quarrel, so no one quarrels with them. And also there's a line, the wise embrace the one. All these ideas come to the idea, it says, when we yield in a tense situation, we will fill wide open space in an, in an empty heart. Mm. So, like, kind of, there's that moment, when you're trying to be like, maybe you're in a tense situation with a loved one and you can, if you're, if you're not so wrapped up in it, you can step back and see the entirety of what's happening Mm -hmm. and respond lovingly and open hearted. Even when the, the first knee jerk is to become quarrelsome, you can step back. And also in many different situations where you're seeing a specific incident and you're looking at that and focused on that. Mm -hmm. And, but you're not embracing the one, the whole thing, and putting everything in context. And by putting things in correct context, we can then love, we can be understanding, we can be present, we can listen. Yes. We can have that empty heart that we can be open with others. That's why I like so much, uh, I think a few shows ago, you talked about a skill that you had developed was the skill of deep listening. Mm rather than trying to just get your opinion out there, listen to other people and say, well, what I hear you saying is this, and it sounds like you mean, you know, and and then that gives them space to unfold and gives us space to take in what they're saying. (laughs) And the more beautiful. And when you do that, the person that the conflict dissipates into a harmony and an understanding and appreciation and a respect. That by the way, is the first rule um, psychotherapy. Mm. <laughs> we learned that when you're learning to be a therapist, the very first thing we're taught is how to do this active listening. Mm-hmm. That's the very first thing, because if we can't actively listen, we can't help anyone. Right. <laughs> right. And and yet, what people get in their daily life is not people listening to to them; it's people telling them things. Oh, you should do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. You know, they're just giving their opinion about how you should be thinking and living your life. Right? Uh, it doesn't work. Right. No. <laughs> Not it doesn't work. Well, it's kind of like you know, I was having a my, you know my wife and I the other day we were driving out to Palm Springs and it was kind of our first big long trip since having a baby. Mm-hmm. So you know we're having one of those kind of. I don't know what you call it. You call it a come to Jesus or a state of the union. You know, just having a, having a light conversation about the way things are going and how having a baby has changed our lives and, yes. and all this stuff. And I, and I told her uh, one thing. I said, you know, there, there's a TV show called Bar Rescue. Oh, yes. Now, it's, I, mean, I don't go to that show for spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> But it's kind of a funny show, and so. But what happens is they always they go to the, they they they, they go to the bar one night and they bring in as many people as possible and they put it mm-hmm. through a stress test. So, you know, they bring in a hundred people into the bar to see if they can cope with the customers and get the drinks out and get the food ready, and then <laughs> through the stress test you can find out where there's holes in the boat. You can right. find out where the, the things aren't working right, and and you, it it's glaring. It becomes glaring. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're only dealing with a couple customers or whatever, you may not know where your right. problems are. And I told my wife, I said, you know, the baby 
has been the ultimate teacher to me of everything that is wrong with me as a human being. <laughs> I might not have been pushing myself to a certain limit or been really faced with such, you know, insurmountable task as a screaming baby at three in the morning. But I mean, that's that's way worse than, you know, buying and selling a house. You know, like that, that is that's rubber, a test. <laughs> that is rubber meets the road. That's a test. And that is how patient am I? And then the thing is, the way you really learn to overcome that is by listening, is by checking your ego at the door mm-hmm. through not, you know, all of these things that we learn in the Tao, it was like, Full color, three dimensional. <laughs> Here it is. You know, can I listen to the child and find out what's wrong with him? Can I give till it hurts to give this child peace? And then can I, you know, by the time when I, this is satisfied and the baby's asleep, can I then bring back my ego out of my back pocket, <laughs> put it in my brain, and in, enjoy the feast of the ego of life, whether it be pleasure or watching dumb television like bar rescue <laughs> or whatever right and 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 i was you know so seeing this and seeing this kind of this chapter which is telling people to be humble have perspective actively listen and again someone the dow encapsulated yes i mean we're not going to say it says what this dow is all about but it gets close <laughs> no, no. but yeah and so and and again and this mirrors the situation or the growth I'm trying to have. And it's almost not a, yes, there's, there is growth to get better every day in life and to improve, but there's also growth just to get through the day, D-A-Y, and not throw yourself off a cliff, you know, and the screaming baby will, I just, please go to bed, just go to bed. But if I listen, if I rock you correctly, if I take care of your needs, you will sleep, you know. You know what they say, it is in giving that we receive, right? Yes. And I hope this kid makes a billion dollars when he gets older so I can receive plentifully. Right. Gratefully and gracefully. Yes. You will receive. So you want to do one one more chapter here we have? Yeah, I did did actually talk about another, um, a short chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Chapter 26, which reads like this. Very short. The heavy is the root of the light. The still is the master of unrest. Therefore, the sage, traveling all day, does not lose sight of his baggage. Mm. Though there are beautiful things to be seen, he remains unattached and calm. Why should the lord of 10,000 chariots act lightly in public? To be light is to lose one's root. To be restless is to lose one's control. Mm. Mm. Now, we, here we have an interesting thing. Yes, we do. To be restless is to lose one's control. And now, okay, so... Because think about that. Here you are at 3 in the morning, and <laughs> you're feeling restless, and your child needs you. Mm. If you're in your head and feeling frantic, you lose all control, don't you? You lose everything. And, and then you get, you get angry. Fear leads to suffering. See, you know, you get, this is a child-rearing advice from Lao Tzu here, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, definitely. And when you, when you are restless and you, and you need to be rooted, uh, you're, you're all over the place and you can't focus and you're doing damage to yourself yes. on that level. So, you know, in this chapter, Lao Tzu is reminding us to maintain 
a calm, centered sense of self, in spite of the restless, even chaotic world around us. By keeping centered and calm, we're not at the mercy of these external forces, and we can stay who we, who we were without disturbance. Mm. Uh, that's what you talk about, coming back to finding your ego, finding myself, where am yes. I? You know? If our happiness and well-being depends on externals, then we are essentially a prisoner of fate. Mm. <laughs> um, so, Think about it. You know, the majority of people, I think, walk around feeling that if things in their external world are good to them, then how do they feel? Good. Then they feel good. If things in their external world are not good, not abundant, not satisfying, how do they feel? They feel bad. bad. So their state of being, our state of being is, I think, all too often determined by outside factors. Yes. Things that we probably have little to no control over. Oh, yes. That, that's called being a slave. That's called being mm -hmm. a prisoner. We haven't owned our freedom that way. We were, we've, we are escaping from our freedom by allowing external things to define who we are in our state of being in the world. And that is such a leap to be able to go from letting that, <laughs> letting external affairs dictate your internal happiness to mastering that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something I struggle with. And I was exactly, you saying this, and I was thinking this this week, when again, as I go through this journey of being a parent, and as the beginning, there was no chance in the world of me being able to get to that level of not letting the baby dictate my happiness, mm -hmm. right? But now that I've been there and now that I'm seeing it and now that I'm learning, my, my, my goal is to not let it dictate my happiness, mm -hmm. right? And so, and to let the baby be freaking out, but be calm and loving <laughs> and happy and uh, go back to the idea of the vinegar taster's painting, <laughs> whereas when the Buddha is tasting the vinegar, he looks sad and says life is suffering because it's sour. Mm -hmm. And Lao Tzu smiles because it's supposed to be sour. Yeah, that's that his baby, <laughs> That baby's supposed to be screaming his head off. That's and his, I should... That's his nature. Be laughing. <laughs> right, that's the baby's nature. Yeah, hey, there he goes again. Hey. Right. <laughs> but those exact words that you were saying, I think from... A, it was ingrained in me from an earlier conversation we had. And the, the idea was that I'm, well, I'm not going to let this outside circumstance dictate my happiness. And, and in a certain sense, I'm, this is maybe too competitive of a term, but, but I'm being weak hmm. by allowing that to happen. It's not, not being weak. I, I don't think that's the right word, but mm -hmm. I'm being maybe complacent or indulgent mm -hmm. by letting that upset me, being mm -hmm. indulgent in my emotions and pouting mm -hmm. or moping. Whereas on the other hand, if you attend to the baby's needs and make the baby feel, you know, safe and calm and, you know, protected, then the baby is going to respond by what? Yeah. Becoming more calm, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, so there's a reciprocity involved in this as well. Mm -hmm. There always is. Oh, yeah. There always is. We don't still don't always see it, but it's always there. And so I have a little exercise, kind of a little meditation exercise to help <laughs> with this. First of all, take several deep breaths and just feel yourself connecting to the earth, however, whatever that means to you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I literally uh, imagine like uh, roots sprouting from the bottom of my feet going down, connecting me to oh. the earth. And then when I breathe, when I inhale, I'm drawing up um, like nurturance, you know, from the deep, rich soil of the earth into my being. Oh. That's one thing I sometimes have people do. Um, just like a, a plant or a tree out there, right? That, you know, if it has deep roots down there, it's well fed. It's, it's able to bring up all of those the nutrients from, from Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. And so can we. Yeah. We are Mother Earth's children, all of us. Yeah. We really are. And so wherever you are, feel that primary relationship as you experience the force of gravity. Because, because the earth is spinning, we, we get this pull down towards the earth. That's why we're not just floating up in the sky right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, real quick. Considering how fast the earth is spinning around yeah. on its axis. There is a, sorry, real quick, it just happened to hit me. You were talking about gravity. There's these videos online of people who believe the earth is flat. Oh. <laughs> and I got sucked into watching them the other day. And the guy said this, the guy says, there is no such thing as gravity. Gravity is a myth. But what's actually happening is, is the earth is flat and it's slowly rising. <laughs> and that pulls us down. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Yeah. Now, of course, I do remember something began from the 60s or sometime, you know, where, yeah, kind of an old hippie thing, you know. Mm-hmm. There is no gravity. The earth sucks. <laughs> ah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and, and so, see, that's, that's part of being in the rhythm of the flow of nature. Yeah, the Earth is spinning, but because of the the mass of the Earth and the gravitational pull, we aren't just going flying all around all over the place, yeah. right? But it has an effect on us. Look at the effect of a of a full moon on the tides, even of the Earth, and right? brainwaves, right? And on brainwaves, and on human behavior. See, so if we don't, if, if we're not in, in good relationship with the Earth with the moon and the sun and the other heavenly bodies, because there, there is an electromagnetic effect 24-7, 365 days a year. It, it is always impinging on us somehow. So, But by doing this special kind of Taoist breathing practice where we're kind of breathing from the tube, the energy up from the earth, feeling cementing that connection mm-hmm. so that we feel nourished and grounded and connected to the earth on one hand and then on the other hand you know that we Taoists we have um, solar meditation we have lunar meditation we actually have uh, other planetary uh, heavenly bodies meditation the ancient Taoists did all of this as part of their meditation mm-hmm. where they would bring in the energies from up above and merge it with the energies from the earth in our center core, in our heart, so that they moved into unity consciousness uh-huh. with the Tao. It's like an alchemic. It is completely an alchemic process mm-hmm. for creating harmony in the Tao, in us. You're right. Because we are the Tao. We are part of the Tao. But if we don't feel that balanced, integrated connection, we feel out of sorts. Yeah. We feel out of sorts. And instead, what do we do? We run to our heads. We run to our ego and try to live that way. And we try to find all these things to pleasure ourselves. Yes. And, yes. This is a much more organic way of just living your life. Mm-hmm. 
at feeling that you are an integral part of this universe because you are. Yeah. You are like it or not. <laughs> like it or not. Here. You're here. You're it. Yeah. <laughs> you're here, baby. <laughs> Deal with yeah. it. Yeah. Embrace it. Yes. Embrace it. Most consciously. Consciously embrace it until it becomes second nature mm-hmm. to just breathe with the earth, breathe with the sun, the stars, the moon, and feel that that whole universe is contained within us. Mm-hmm. Which it is. Which it is. Yeah. Which it is. And realizing that powerful thing changes your perspective on everything. It does. I hope we changed a couple perspectives today. Maybe not. You know, and I don't want to tell anybody how to live their life. <laughs> but uh, but I'd like to thank Dr. Carl Totten for being here with me. It's all about paying attention. That's, right. <laughs> That's what this DAO is all about. <laughs>